Welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we are co-learners on a journey to uncover stories, concepts, and themes of what makes us human. I'm Joy Bork, your travel guide for the next few moments while we explore questions, learn more about people, and follow where curiosity leads. This season, we're following my curiosity into discovering more about hope, books, pizza, gratitude, ice cream, and so much more. Today, we are dipping our toes into the enrapturing world of storytelling. I love being able to sit down with people and connect through the vehicle of storytelling no matter where in the world I am. Because stories are experiences, unifiers, and tools for relating and connecting. Storytelling is a skill to be honed and used with care. I started this episode thinking that storytelling means being good at recalling moments, like when I insert a, hey, Chelsea, remember that one time when we worked a conference in Germany and I live translated everything you said during the mic check into Pig Latin so the crew could check levels? Then no one knew what to do with us after that? Yeah, that was a good time. Type story into a normal everyday environment. I've also known storytelling as moving into deep inner emotional work and checking the stories I tell myself in order to be more present and more human. But the further I got into research for this episode, the more I realized there is a crap ton of subtlety, skill, and science behind storytelling. At dinner the other night, I asked, what makes a good storyteller? Fred Rogers quickly came up as an example of one of the greatest storytellers, He knew how to be with his audience in the midst of a story, no matter the nature of that story. He understood the value of people. He invited his audience to look with him, to discover new things together. He started the story from the same eye level as his audience. Then he got out of the way so that discovery could happen. Throughout his career in television, Mr. Rogers told stories of hope amidst moments of tragedy, like after the assassinations of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. during the Iran hostage crisis in the 70s, after the Challenger shuttle exploded in 1986, and yet again after the fateful events of 9-11. In one of the PSAs Mr. Rogers created after 9-11, he said, No matter what our particular job, especially in our world today, we are all called to be tikkun ulam, repair of the world. The principle of tikkun ulam calls us to act constructively and behave in a way that's beneficial to others. Through his storytelling, Mr. Rogers lived this principle. He used his gifts to create space for humanity amidst the hard, to allow for constructive questions within times of confusion, and to invite us to beneficial unity. We need more storytellers like Fred Rogers. Storytelling is vital to our existence and can take many forms. Relief, escape, reflection, shared experience, education, narratives, art, and so much more. Most of all, Storytelling is a human experience. It isn't a forced experience. It's the coming together of worlds, an invitation to follow a guide on a path into a world of wonder. As I sought to learn more about what makes a good storyteller, I found a Facebook page called Transformational Storytelling. 
I sent a request for an interview and received a prompt response, got an interview scheduled, and was myself guided into a world of wonder by... Magid Jim Brule? When I say that I was guided into a world of wonder, I mean that I was completely blown away and in awe the entire time Jim and I talked. This is a legit rare occurrence, which says something. But hold up. Jim introduced himself as a Magid. What is a Magid? In the Jewish tradition, there is a third form of clergy that most people don't know about called the Magid, M-A-G-G-I-D. And this third form is basically an itinerant storyteller. So historically, we would travel from community to community trying to inspire people through stories. And what do you know, people would rather hear a good story than a lecture. For me, the essence of storytelling is encountering people with an open heart and helping them find ways to places they hadn't imagined. See what I mean? I'm in awe all over again just considering the goodness, depth, and importance of what Jim demonstrates and teaches. I, for one, would 100% rather hear a story than a lecture. I asked Jim what experiencing a good story feels like. As a listener, I want to be drawn into the world of the story. I want to not just have a willing suspension of disbelief. I want to have a suspension of everything and, and just enter that world. If that's happening, then I'll be experiencing the story. There's a wonderful term for it. It's a storytelling trance. And it's measurable, discernible phenomenon that when people are really engaged with a story, they enter into a trance state. And that deepens the impact of the story. It has physiological, psychological, spiritual impact on people when they enter that trance. And that's what you want. It's a good thing. I haven't ever put words to it before, but I love experiencing that storytelling trance. It most often happens to me when I'm experiencing theater or a powerful film. I'm completely enraptured, transported to the world presented in front of me, and I feel both inspired and sad when it's over. But that doesn't happen all of the time. So what are the factors that help lead to that trance? A good story creates an opportunity for the listener to see the world differently and to feel empowered to do something with that new vision. I think there's this tension that exists in the art of storytelling, which is leaving white space for the audience. And by white space, I mean, how do I give you enough detail to pull you along with me and invite you along beside me without defining so much that it's not your world, it's mine. I have to build that trance so you will enter that world with me, but then I have to leave the world sparse enough so that you can fill it in with your own details. And I just have to have confidence that you're going to fill it in with what you really need, not with what I think you need. So a good story puts you into a world and changes the set of possibilities for you and then gives you the personal authority to go out and try it on. 
And that's what I want to do with my stories. I don't want to say, here's how you lead a better life. I want to say, here's the way life has been going. What if it were different? How would that be for you? And, and let you find your own path from that point forward. Holy freaking moly. I'm going to summarize that real quick so it can sink in deeper. A good storyteller trusts the audience with white space to fill in with personally applicable details. This then helps create space for the audience to discover a new path forward, or, as my friend Amanda said, a chance to accept the invitation to buy into the enrapturement of the story. That leads me to another question. What is happening inside a listener when they're experiencing a good story? We know that there are certain neurotransmitters that correspond to different parts of a story. Oh, this just got real deep real fast. Buckle up, y'all. We're diving into brain science. In the beginning, the storyteller wants the audience to be focused and to feel creative so that they can engage. And the neurotransmitter that makes that happen are endorphins. And the way you get endorphins to go is to make people laugh. Which is why a good story always starts with a joke <laughs> or a humorous event. It has a definitive neurological reason for starting the story that way. The next thing you want to do is engage people with the protagonist and their mission or their yearning, their quest, whatever it is. So you want to get people to bond with that character. And for that, we need oxytocin. And oxytocin is evoked by stories of empathy moments of empathy. Can you feel how this person is feeling? So that's the next stage. But then what you're really trying to do is to build towards a moment where people can have a, a change. And the way you get that all set up is by getting a lot of dopamine flowing. Dopamine is associated with not only increased focus, but motivation. It is setting the ideal conditions for new memories to be formed. And the storytelling element that evokes dopamine is anticipation. And then you want to have that moment of inspiration, that aha, that moment where a flashbulb memory is created. And to get that done, you need cortisol and adrenaline to flow. And that's what sears a moment into a memory, into our brains. Well, how do you do that? You do that with a surprise context shift. And at the very end of it all, you want people to feel good and to walk away with that, not just seared into their brain, but in a pleasant envelope. And so you get some more oxytocin going, some more empathy for the outcome. And that's the narrative arc. So the best way to learn something new that's going to endure and have good feelings associated with it is to evoke those neurotransmitters along the way, which happens to be precisely the same elements of a good story. And I don't think there's any coincidence there, you know? I don't think there's any coincidence there either. I feel that. Laughter, empathy, anticipation, context shift, empathy again. The supporting arc for change. There's something amazing about actually hearing explanations for something that I have intrinsically understood, but haven't had words for. Mind blown. So, we have explored the science and body experience of a good story. Now let's listen to my good friend, teacher, and outdoor life experiences guide, Tim, tell us about his storytelling techniques and experiences. 
G'day, my name's Tim Dovenborden. I am very good at telling ghost stories. Not because I know great stories, but I'm good at delivering the story. I can take advantage of the environment, which I think is important when you tell a story. You have to set the scene. And that's just not how you say it. It's also the physical scene that you're sitting in. It's important to use your voice. Now, normally when I talk, I don't pay too much attention to this, but when I tell this ghost story, I am performing. <laughs> you have to concentrate on not just the volume of your voice, but also the pace and breathing in the right spots, which sounds weird. And as soon as you let your voice waver and all these different things, people pick up on that and people get scared or whatever it is. So I only ever tell this story at night time if there's a campfire. First of all, I generally tell a couple of, you know, nice, friendly PG ghost stories because usually my audience are children. There's probably three stories that I tell that are part of my repertoire. None of them are horrific. There's no blood. There's no death. People don't go missing. But the way that you tell it, I get a guaranteed scream every time I tell it. <laughs> and it's so fun. And I get so invested. I almost cried once. <laughs> I had a group of grade five students, so 10 year olds. And it was daytime and we were making damper around a campfire during the day. Damper is like bush bread that you make on the fire. While we were making that, they're like, oh, let's tell ghost stories because that's what you do around campfires and even 10 year olds know that. I thought, okay, well, you know, they seem pretty good. They want to hear it. It's daytime. So it's not like they're gonna be completely freaked out like kids who have to go to bed in tents at nighttime. So I told this ghost story and one of the girls was so traumatized that she had to be moved to a different instructor because she couldn't stand the sound of my voice after that. <laughs> and I take that both as a compliment and a lesson for learning. <laughs> and I do not tell it to anyone younger than 13 anymore. Tim doesn't just tell a chill story. This is commitment. This is embodied storytelling. Believe it or not, I can't personally say I've ever experienced or told a ghost story. And after hearing about Tim's skill, I'm not sure I want to. But Tim did say... And one day, if you're fortunate enough, I might make you scream when I tell this ghost story. <laughs> which I'm not sure how to feel about the use of the word fortunate. I guess if I had to hear a ghost story, I'd choose his. <laughs> I mean, I've made it this far in life without screaming at stories. I think I'm going to try to keep mustard going. Stories are transformational. Stories are entertainment. And stories are connectors. Here's my friend Rochelle to talk about her favorite storyteller. My dad was the keeper of stories and the storyteller. There is no other. And sadly, in his passing, a lot of the storytelling has gone as well. But fantastic storyteller. To the point where before the internet and other things, and when you only had three channels on the TV, we would all sit around and have company and have dinner and just everyone would sit and talk. It was the best. That was my life growing up. Was all of these people, every religion, every race, all sitting together, kids running around in the backyard going nuts, and everybody sitting and talking all night long, all the time. The best. So he was the keeper of good stories. It could be jokes. 
It could be things remembered. It could just be on topic. And it just depended on the people because we were blessed to have the occasional UN ambassador come over or, I mean, I just grew up with an amazing eclectic group of brilliant people, professors from universities, scientists, pastors, whatever. They never were like, oh, you're a little kid. So I hung out with all of these brilliant people until I got tired and then I would go put my PJs on and put myself to bed. I love that imagery, sitting around and just talking. There's no age limit when it comes to stories. We are all welcome in the circle. I've talked about this very thing with my friends Chris and Jen. There is something so humanizing, connecting, and grounding about unplanned, organic conversation unfolding amongst friends. For me, time flies when this happens. I value every minute when this glorious occasion occurs, which is unfortunately less and less in the COVID era. A few more of my favorite story types are those about remembrance, real-life normal experiences, and family lore that have been told over and over again with vigor. Here's one from my friend Alexis, her mom Carolyn, and her grandma Maddie. Now your childhood mom, grandma told from her childhood. Oh, well, when it came to singing, I was in the church choir and I told them I was not leading that song. And so my parents bring it up all the time. This is a story we tell often. I had told the woman I was not leading that song. And she kept saying, yes, you are. Your mama's out here, you gonna lead this song. I said, okay. So when she got up to lead, you know, for us to sing, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I exit stage left. Did not come back. And then come back. Did not come back. Mm-mm. And they were looking for her to leave. My mama was mad, but I meant what I said. <laughs> the Sunday before she led the song and everybody was telling me, your daughter, they had us, I was working at the PH. Your daughter led that song. She had people just shouting in church. So I said, well, I'm off Sunday, I'm going. And Catherine said, well, she gonna sing. And that woman walked out. So what I'm getting here is that y'all are a family of strong, independent women. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Yes and yes. So there's some family stories for you. I love that story so much. It makes me smile every time I listen to it. Stories like this are unifiers. They're the vehicles to pass down culture, Tools to help us find our voice in the world, no matter what form that takes. Stories are goodness. Stories are shared experiences. Stories are our history. My cousin Matt called the storyline to talk about his favorite experience with story. This is Matt Swing from Chicago. When I think about storytelling, one specific moment comes to my mind, and it was Toward the end of my senior year of college in 2019, in May, the movie Avengers Endgame came into theaters. And I remember sitting in the theater and being so pumped to see this movie. And everybody in the theater was just buzzing. And I constantly explained this movie-going experience as my best theater experience ever, and nothing will ever top it. Because everybody in that room had this same love and appreciation and connection with these characters that not only were just like in this one movie, but they had developed these characters in the storyline over 23 movies over 10 years. 
And it was just this incredible storytelling feat. And it's funny because I went to school for documentary journalism and documentary film, and I watched all of these classic movies that changed cinematic history. And one of my favorite movies of all time is a superhero movie that's almost unheard of for most people that studied film. But I love it because it's like, man, what an incredible feat to be able to tell a story over 23 movies that people relate to and that people are excited about and that people will literally go to a theater on opening night and literally cheer for in the middle of the movie. It felt like a sports game, but we were in a movie theater. You're supposed to be silent during a movie and these people weren't at all and they didn't care. And I didn't care that they were cheering either. Like it was the most incredible experience. I love how story takes us on a journey, brings us together, and transports us into new places. It makes me so happy. Story is everywhere, and it's a huge part of what makes us human. We are living, telling, and reenacting stories every day. Jim said it well. I think we are always telling a story. We are always trying to organize what's going on in our world in a way that we can communicate it to other people or ourselves, just understand it ourselves. And we do that with story. We are always telling stories to ourselves and to others. And better we should know how to do that more effectively. So here we are. We've made it through the most meta thing I may have ever made. We learned about the elements of storytelling through hearing stories in the midst of a podcast that was not only titled The Storytelling Episode, but also presented the content in a story form. Am I proud of myself? Yes. Yes, I am. There are so many things I want to take with me from this episode. I want to be intentional with the stories I tell myself about myself, the world around me, and to others because stories have power. I want to remember to actively engage in and practice the art of storytelling because it's also a science. And I want to bring lightness and connection to the world around me through the goodness that story brings. Remember. So a good story puts you into a world and changes the set of possibilities for you and then gives you the personal authority to go out and try it on. I don't want to say Here's how you lead a better life. I want to say, here's the way life has been going. What if it were different? How would that be for you? And and let you find your own path from that point forward. Today's episode is made possible by so many of my people. Thanks to Lisa for the logo, Jim, Tim, Rochelle, Alexis, Carolyn, and Maddie for letting me interview you, to Matt for calling in, and to Amanda, Aunt Sharon, Chelsea, Sarah, and Kirsten for reviewing my script. You can check out more of what I'm up to by following Here We Are on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Patreon by searching for Here We Are The Podcast. You can send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com, or you can call the storyline at 312-620-0567 and leave me a voicemail with a story that you think I should feature, and I just might. In the meantime, check out Transformational Storytelling on Facebook. Jim is consistently curating dynamic storytelling content that is healing, 
thoughtful and leads to curiosity. Until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. <laughs>